Hello and welcome to Movie Mastery. It's the podcast where me, John, and my co-host Jeff here are going to be reviewing movies that you send to us and we randomly determine which one we'll do every week by using a basically number generator since we can't really roll when we have like 23. I believe we rolled it in World of Warcraft this time. Yes, we did. We used World of Warcraft's roll system in order to determine which movie we would watch, which huge nerds. So, uh, we rolled up The Day After, which was sent to us actually really recently from Brian S. Thank you, Brian. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Uh, so we have just watched the trailer for that. Yeah, so deadpan thank you. Yeah. Uh, so this, I mean, it honestly looks like most of those, uh, it, lo- it looks older than it should be. It's from the 80s. It's, it's from like 83. 83. Yeah. yeah. But it looks like one of those, like, 60s, 70s, Cold War panic, nuclear, uh, warning type movies. Yeah, it has a lot, and the trailer's disjointed. It doesn't actually have a tagline or anything until the last, like, two seconds of a two-minute trailer. Oh, yeah. Before that, it's just a bunch of shots of B-52s and helicopters. And- it's it's action shots and what are, I assume, the two things we follow, which are, like, two couples. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a black couple and a white couple. The yeah, white the couple's, older, like, older. Yeah, they, yeah, including Jason Robards. You spot him, Jason Robards yeah. in there, and then... I, I I caught a brief flash of John Lithgow sitting in the background of something in, in some kind of barber shop. Yeah, so Lithgow's in very young Lithgow. Oh yeah, this is a uh, premium Lithgow. Yeah, uh, that's about it though. And and I mean, it's just a bunch of like j- jumbled Cold War stuff and yeah. lots of shots of missiles flying out of the ground. So I I mean, I can only assume that it's going to. Follow the exploits of these two couples. They probably intersect at some point. I think the guy was actually a soldier. So I think we get a civilian view and probably a military view on what's happening. Alright, my prediction based on the trailer is that we've seen all the action shots already. We saw a minute and a half of action shots, but this is a TV movie from 1983, so I think we've seen them all. I think they paid for some footage of B-52s taking off and landing, and by God, they were going to give it to us. (laughs) Uh, so yeah, I think we've got probably at least some sort of survival plot between the two of them. Yeah. Again, I assume they probably intersect. Maybe, like, one of them trying to find help. Either it's the civilian couple, like, wanders into a military base looking for help from Fallout, or the military has to rely on the kindness of, like, country strangers or whatever. Yeah, because it was pretty clearly showing, like, like, uh, middle of the country. Yeah, and, and lots of churches and, and houses that are far separated from each other. So it looks like it's set in one of those cities that's built into farm country. Oh, yeah, it's definitely Midwest. Uh, definitely, like, I want to say farm country somewhere. Yeah, Kansas or something. But, but uh, I, I, I don't know. Anyway, predictions. Uh, we've already said it's going to have these two couples intersecting in some way. We've probably already seen all the action beats. Uh, we know it's going to be set at least partially after the explosion, like a big bomb hits. Well, I mean, the in the States. trailer, we see the nukes go off. Yeah, so, so we know they've that. already blown their load. It's not a will they nuke, it's what happens with it. Now, I didn't see any hints of, like, sci-fi stuff. I think it's going to be a deadly serious scare Oh, yeah, tale. no, this is very much a nuclear panic type movie where yeah. they're like, oh, God, nukes. I kind of wish it was, oh, God, nukes, and then mutants. <laughs> but <laughs> I don't think we're going to get that. Oh, no, definitely not. This is... this. Also, the end of the trailer says Steve Gutenberg. I see ju- it says Jason Robards, Joe Beth Williams, Steve Gutenberg. I didn't see him in the trailer, did you? Yeah, I got no goot from there. Yeah, Not a single goot. Yeah, it's a little light on goot, so we're kind of hoping for, for this thing to goot it up a little before the end. Yeah. 
Alright, so uh, let's go ahead and watch the movie. We will be back after watching The Day After and let you know what we thought. day after happened in my brain ah <laughs> uh, yes so yeah that was a that was a long two hours that was, that was two hours I was expecting maybe an hour 15 from a like TV movie that was mostly just did you know nukes are scary but no they fucking they rung that shit out to two goddamned hours two hours with the commercial breaks cut so this must have been running on whatever. This is a TV movie, if I've no, ever I think seen it was one. ABC. So this probably ran for about three hours of an ABC night. Oh yeah, with commercials. This was definitely one of those like this is an event that you shouldn't miss. Maybe don't let your children see it for graphic images. Yeah, which there are a few, but we'll get to those because the movie doesn't get to those. Oh my god, it takes half the movie to get to a point where something happens. Yeah, the first hour of this movie is just generic farm people setup. Okay, so it's I mean, it starts out and we've got I thought we were gonna have like the two couples as our main thing. We've got like seven different plots going on. Yeah. None of them a, matter. A lot of them are abandoned the moment the bomb goes off. Yeah, so you've got alright, we've got our main older couple we've got a doctor and his wife who live uh, sort of near the city or in the city of Lawrence, Kansas, which is where the University of Kansas is. Yeah. So, so, uh, she, but she lives in, I think, actually, like one of the bigger cities. I think she's yeah, actually in, in like Kansas City. Yeah, she was in Kansas City. He had a house out of Lawrence, Kansas, because he worked at the university uh, campus hospital. Yeah. So he's a university uh, doctor guy, and this is Jason Robards, who yeah. who is unabashedly the star of the movie. There's more Jason Robards than anyone else. Yeah, he's definitely the one that we follow the most. Yeah. Now, the other... The, uh, let's see, other people who are families that you see. There is a farm family somewhere out in Kansas. We've got a young girl who is getting married. Yeah, and that's her only character trait. She's getting married. And that's uh, all she cares about is oh, this boyfriend. This is the weirdest thing to me, because they're 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 making out in a field, and and uh, he keeps saying, hey, where is it? Can I see it? Where are you keeping it? Why aren't we? Why don't you have it right now? And she's like, "It's in my dresser upstairs." And then she runs upstairs to get whatever it. And it's got to be like a condom or something, right? <laughs> like because it's the reason that the two of them can't get have sex and why she can't get pregnant, which comes up throughout the movie, is this thing that she has to use. And then she goes up to get it from her house and has a fight with her little sister over whatever it is, and her sister's holding it behind her. But why would you call a condom an it? Ugh. Like the whole time, like. Give it back. We need it so I can make it with the other guy so it can happen. It's like, what do you say? Okay, I get this is a family, this is a family movie, but can't you say condom or come no. up with a better way? No, this is 1983. You can't imply that your young teenagers are having sex in any way. Well, it's just the weirdest thing because this guy clearly drove to her farm. It's the middle of nowhere, a farm on a motorcycle. He can go get some condoms. Well, he could, but they've already got them. And, you know, you can't just be wasting money willy-nilly on condoms. It's 1983. Every condom costs a hundred dollars. It was a weird, simpler time. <laughs> Until technology caught up with condoms, you would pay three thousand dollars for a pack of them. <laughs> and he's like, they had that one old farm family condom. 
<laughs> and they've just been hanging it out till dry on a, on a line with like clips. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that got disgusting real fast. Oh man, just one condom on a big old line, and they've got that thing they use to beat rugs, and they're just whacking a condom. With it. Uh, okay. Otherwise, the condom will get stiff, Henry. Uh-huh. Well, at least something's getting stiff around here. <laughs> Time to go milk the sheep or something. If you know what I mean. Or something. So, okay, that's, okay. there's so, a farm family. So and we've got have, that family. There, and there's two more kids in the family. Their, their basic thing is you've got the only one that's important is the older sister who is getting married. Mm-hmm. You've got the younger sister, Jolene, and the only reason I know her name is because the older sister yells Jolene like he was the dad on Lost looking for Walt. Oh, yeah. she. There, there's a good five minutes of the first hour of this movie is whatever the main the, the older sister is chasing Jolene around. Just going, Jolene! Jolene! Jolene, give, give it back! Give Jolene! Me, give me back the family condom! <laughs> Jolene! 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 <laughs> yeah. And Jolene's like, no, I need to make moonshine in this condom. <laughs> Uh, and then you get, uh, the, the mom who is essentially not existent and the dad who has a odd relationship where he's like, oh, if you're in my house under my roof, you're going to follow my rules. And then the daughter's like, oh, dad, shut up. And he's like, oh, okay. All right, then. <laughs> it's so weird because you have, have that trope of like the overbearing dad who's like, no, I, I'll, I know what's good for you and you don't go seeing no boys. But then as soon as she goes, no, dad, no. Fuck you. I do what I want to do. And he's just like, oh, all right. I can't say no to you, honey. Oh, well, whatever. Now, he has a tornado shelter, which is really important. And and uh, he alone, among all the characters in the movie, except for Lithgow, is worried about the whole Middle East, or sorry, uh, Russian-German border peace crisis that's occurring in this thing. Yeah, we get... Uh, it's a lot of Berlin Wall stuff. In the background, you get occasionally... Little clips of, like, the radio or TV, like, Today, uh, escalation as Russian forces have closed down all borders between Murph and Durf. Well, they didn't have any budget for it, because it's always radio or TV that you can't see. And if, if you do see TV, it's just a talking head. Well, you, so, yeah, you see a talking head, and then they'll, like, establish that the TV is on and cut to a different character with right. audio. So so you never see anything actually happening. But what's happening, the, the, the nuclear war in this movie is brought on by Berlin Wall conflict between Russia and the United States. Yeah. And, Russia decides to go... Uh, lock down the wall the bound, 100%. Yeah. yeah, like, they're going through all of Germany now. And so we're like, oh, well, we got to do something. But it's amazing that... Only a couple people, like you said, actually give a fuck. Yeah. So many people in this movie are like, oh, Russia went over the fucking Berlin Wall and are invading Germany. And everyone was like, oh, okay. I gotta get home to my girlfriend. I gotta cook dinner. Yeah. They're like, what? That's like the the big wife's character trait is that the husband in the farm is trying to get them ready for the worst. So he's like, like, oh, we're going to fill the, the, uh, our, our shelter with water. We're going to get all this stuff together. Wife, would you please stop just cooking and help me pack things? And she's no, like... No, I've got 40 people to cook for tomorrow. Man. Yeah. So her her deal... You can tell that they, they, they made her look all, all weak and stupid in the movie. But really, she's just, uh, you know, stuck with her lifestyle. And, and her, her uh, coping method for something horrible happening is keep the house nice. Yeah, and so, the, uh, we also have one more kid, which is a young, young boy. Yeah. And he matters 
nothing at all except to be an object of pain later on. He actually becomes one of the major talking characters of the family, but it's weird how it happens. Okay, so those are two families. Those are important. Uh, we've, we've got the military the, guys. Yeah, we've got the uh, the family that is the black guy with his wife. He and is we see like that our wife token once. black guy. Yeah, the token black guy doesn't have a name. We see his wife once for one scene where she is hectoring and demanding and telling him not to do his military job. Yeah, he's like, oh, we've got an alert. It's probably just you know some training stuff. We got to do whatever. And she's like, don't go, no, my, my don't, husband. Don't you go to the military. I married a military man. You desert. Yeah, he's like, he's I'm like, not deserting. It's an alert. I need to go do like, this. I'll probably be gone for a week or something. It's, Chill out. It's so mean because that's not the way military families work. They, you know, husband's like, I got to go. And the wife's like, yep, that's what I That's what I signed in for. Yep. That's how this works. Sure enough. Yeah. So it just, it just makes uh, military families look bad, which they are not. And it wasn't even like, oh, I've got to go like to like Russia and fight. It was, I work at a, like, silo in the Midwest, and I've got to go to the silo. He was literally saying, I have to, you guys are going to go down to New Orleans to visit the grandparents. I will be a few days late, because I have to go to the silo that you can see from here and do some extra work. And she's like, no! Don't you do it! That silo is the death of you! Yeah. Uh, and uh, that's her one scene. She's not in the movie other than that. Yeah, but, uh, There's we've a few got, other military guys of no importance. Yeah, military, military guys that have, like, a line, who cares? There's a lot of them in airplanes. You see a lot of shots of airplanes and helicopters taking off and flying around. And then military guys talking to each other in military speak. So there'll be a guy on a phone going like, Charlie Tango, 169er. This is not a drill. Not this is definitely happening. Whiskey Foxtrot Elephant ba- Dance. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't speak that especially. Whiskey Foxtrot Elephant Dance. Yeah, that's my code. There you go. W-F-E-D. Bringing out the smooth jazz. Hey, this is WFED Whiskey Foxtrot Elephant Dance, bringing you the greatest in the hits from the 70s, 80s, and now. And that's the 1780s, 1880s, and now. And now. That's why we play the elephant dance, Turkey in the Straw. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, uh, we've got, then we get... Lithgow gets introduced in that barbershop scene that we were talking about. Oh, yeah. Lithgow is in this movie for five minutes, and all of them are just him being the smartest guy in the room delivering exposition. Yeah, like, he apparently also works at some college. He, he works at... It's the University of Kansas. They work at the University of Kansas. He is just an it, like a professor there. We don't know what in. We do know that he manages to build a radio out of parts he finds in a uh, a museum. Oh, yeah, and they're like, oh, we had these radio bits lying around from a display somewhere. So he just becomes a mouthpiece for information. He is the most boring character. It's so sad. They use Lithgow as an exposition bot, mostly. That's yeah. just an unfortunate use of him. Right, so Lithgow is there. He, his story is to be the Greek chorus of this movie. That's it. Yeah. And then we do we do meet Gutenberg, who is a student uh, who... We, we meet him being che- uh, phys- getting a physical at the college. Yeah, he's pre-med. Yeah, he's a pre-med student. And his first act in the in the movie is to watch some some footage on TV of the Berlin thing and be like, "Fuck it, I'm getting out of here." And then he decides to hitchhike home. Yeah. So he goes to hitchhike to I think Missouri is his target goal. He has to get to Missouri from Kansas, and which isn't impossible. No. But but you know the movie ha- has him out on the road when the when the nukes hit, so he's stuck in Kansas. And then there's also the fiance of the farmer's daughter who is ugly. I I, I he looks. He's balding and blonde, and he's in college. He's a college pre-med freshman who looks like Gallagher, like a blonde Gallagher. He, and the weird thing about him is they try to, they, I mean, they try their best to establish him as being like, he's a cool bad boy. He rides a motorcycle, and he 
he wants to have premarital sex. And you're like, I don't. This guy's boring. I don't care. Yeah, he's. but you, you also have met him previously making out with the daughter and asking her to go get the family heirloom condom. <laughs> yeah. The, the heirloom condom that gives you 5% bonus XP. It gives you, ex, gives you bonus XP. Also, it's all misshapen and not the right color. Like an heirloom tomato, but a condom. <laughs> well, it fits your granddaddy's wiener just fine. <laughs> Old knob sausage, they called him. Gnarled like the trunk of a tree. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> uh, but the, the main issue, like the biggest sin against this is... In the hour that it takes before we finally get to the point where nukes drop, we have nothing happening that matters. Like, okay, the the doctor guy has a lot of scenes with his wife. Like, Robards is just always talking about, like, uh, hey, remember, remember, remember when York? we used to fuck? Remember, it was great. We had sex a long time. We, we lived in New York and we had sex. We would bone all the time. And we were really afraid about the Bay of Pigs invasion or Kennedy or something. And that didn't turn into shit. So we're just going to have no non-sex on this bed with a cat on it. We're, we're going to cuddle and then, I don't know, the audience can pretend it's something. Yeah, that's that's him. That's his deal. It, 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 so basically, we just get to introduce a lot of characters and then kill... But it's an hour of nothing. Oh, it's so much nothing. So, like, okay, like we said... Gutenberg's just fucking hitchhiking. He has no real character development outside of, you are a student, that is pre-med. You are attempting to get to a place. Do you have any interaction with anyone? No, not yet. Oh no, he's not nice, he's not smart, we don't get anything about him. There's no personality, he just decides to hitchhike home. And, you know, there's a point where they ask him what he thinks about the footage uh, on uh, on the TV of, of, the, of the nuclear crisis. Because there's a few, like, talking head characters there that are like, well, clearly we just need to know which one of them's going to strike first. Will it be the Russians? I don't think they'd do it. Are you kidding? The Russians will totally strike first. And then someone looks at him, a stranger standing in the back, and says, what do you think, main character guy? And he's like, I think I should hitchhike home. Yeah. And the, like... <sighs> No one gets any character development at all. Like, you're spending an hour with these people. No one does anything of interest. No one even has something going on interesting. Like, we are going to get... The wedding is going to happen the day after, roll credits. Right. Uh, the bombs hit. But the bombs hit, so nothing happens. Right. Where it would have been so much more interesting had it been like, oh yeah, the wedding's happening and you have this scramble and like... What do you do with guests, and who do you lock out? But it was just, everything was too neat. Well, I think the problem is that they just didn't establish any real character traits. I mean, they, they established the women in the movie get a few negative character traits, and that's the end of that. The, the, only, the only woman who comes out of this looking good is the, uh, the, the wife. older sister, honestly, the one who's getting married. Well, she, who's she just like, fuck you, I'll do what I want. Well, well no, she gets some, it's an, it, that's a negative character trait, because it leads to her killing herself and Steve Gutenberg later. <laughs> but... But, uh, but like, the one that's the wife of Jason Robards is just nice and supportive and has nothing going against her. But all the other ones are introduced as, like, hectoring and weak and, and, uh, and single-minded and, and, uh, mean. So it's just, it's, for some reason, the movie's deeply kind of, like, generic sexist. Well, it's why men- this, this movie really reminds me of, like I was saying, that sort of, like, 60s yeah. Cold War vibe because everything is so old school. Yeah, and then all the men are just stoic. That's the only character trait any of them get. Oh, yeah. Robards, he, he's supposed to be like a good, dependent doctor, but you don't pick that up from his intro. The intro you pick up is, he's a doctor. 
We see him meet his daughter for one scene. She's in the movie for one scene wearing the world's biggest glasses. Oh my god, these glasses are insane. It looks like she's wearing the lenses of two 13-inch TVs. Like, it just wraps around her head, and I'm like, I don't even know what's going on. I don't know where the glasses end and you begin anymore. It looks like she went to, like, an an optometrist to get glasses, and they were out of glasses, so they just stuck two portholes on her face. (laughs) And they're like, there, you're all set. You thank like, you for visiting the Navy Eye Doctor. Thank you. Th- thank you for purchasing comedy oversized Urkel glasses. Oh, uh, so and, and all again, got- and no one, no one intersects until after the bomb. We get no uh, like intersection between any of the people, and there's no conflict really. No. Like again. The the daughter who would have a conflict with her dad is immediately resolved as the dad just, like, caves. We have uh, the fucking Gutenberg who could have been a conflict of, oh, I'm leaving school, I have to do whatever. Maybe, like, the doctor who works at that school or something could have been like, you can't leave, we need whatever, and then that could have been a thing. No. No, it's just, we, it's we so much had, And the only conflict we actually get is right before the bombs... Which is the one, the black soldier, the who's like, fun, yeah. uh, yeah, you know what, fuck you guys, I'm gonna go find my family instead of sa- staying in this bunker. Because basically what happens is, they get to the bunker, and then the missiles launch from the bunker. And they're like, well, can we get down into the bunker and be safe? And they're like, no, there's these big double doors, and they're not gonna there, let us yeah, in Yeah, there are there. two guys who just launched the missile, and everything is locked down. Yeah, they're not gonna let us in. Well, we can go down the stairs a little bit. And the black guy's like, we'll clearly melt if we're down those stairs. Well, we'll, we'll, if a nuke hits us while we're there, we are dead. We are dead. So I'm not staying here. And also, it doesn't matter where I go, because now that we've been nuked, because there's only two scenarios, this is the thing they keep discussing, there's only two scenarios in nuclear war. We shoot first, and then they shoot at us and we die, or they already shot at us, and the missiles that we launched mean that we're just getting our revenge before we die. Either way, there's no point to being in the military anymore, because the United States is about to be over, so why would I stand around taking orders from a dumb MP? I'm leaving. Yeah, it it was honestly one of the only scenes that was remotely decent, was him just going... Look, you can shoot me if you want. I'm going back to my family. Fuck this, I don't care. Yes, and he leaves, and he does it by slamming a door on them, so it takes them a minute to catch him, and then he gets in their truck and drives away. Yep. And then he's on the road when he, when the new hits, and he's alive, but not doing very well. So, it's been an hour into the movie, and the nukes finally drop. Oh, one more thing I wanted to mention before that. Okay. The military guys, when they were riding around in the helicopter, and the black guy says, Hey, any of you guys heard anything about an alert? And one of them goes, not me, I'm going fishing. <laughs> oh yeah. That's, I love that there's the, the option you tick of, tell me if nuclear war is going to happen, or no thanks, I'm going fishing. Yeah. Like these are your options. <laughs> These are two choices. You can either go fishing or hear the alerts. <laughs> that guy was like, it's fishing weekend. I don't <laughs> care about the world. Fucking guy runs up to him and he's like, oh my god, I need to tell you. And he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I am going fishing this weekend. It just tugs on his little fishing hat with the hooks on it. <laughs> like, has a little button that says gone fishing and just silently points at it. And he's eh? like, eh? Don't eh? you talk to me about alerts. I'm out. Fishing. All right. Speaking of fishing, then the bombs explode. <laughs> yeah, good. Hey! Woo! Uh, so the, the bombs go off and we get it from everyone's perspective. Yeah, so we see Robards who is driving to Kansas City from He's Lawrence. on the freeway and is the only person driving towards the city when it goes off. Right. Oh, but first we get the EMP that goes off because they launch... An air, they launch an airburst, yeah. Yeah. And this shuts down cars, which it shouldn't have. Well, it's hard to say. Uh, EMP should shut down all electrical facilities, but it's 1983, which means there's a lot of mechanical-only cars on the road, which should have been working fine if all they got hit by was the airburst. Yeah, especially since 
a lot of the cars that people are driving in this, since it's a made-for-TV movie, are older than 1983 as well. Yeah, old shitty cars, which probably wouldn't be affected by an EMP all that badly. But yeah, everything everything turns off, which is normal. That's that's a good dis- display yeah. of an EMP. The problem is that a lot of stuff that they turn back on is just like, well, this was this was uh, not turned on when it happened, so this radio and flashlight should work just fine. It's nope. <laughs> but, yeah. Anyway, um, he sees the airburst, and then he decides he he's the only person on this freeway to survive. And he survives by lying down across the seat of his car. Yeah, he ducks and covers, and apparently, like we were told in school, that will save you from a nuclear blast. From three. He's in visual range of three nuclear blasts on the road from Lawrence to Kansas City. Yep. So, he see because it hits the silos, and then it also hits Kansas City. Yes. Kansas City gets completely nuked, and then there's uh, every silo along the Midwest gets hit. They say 300 missiles hit the United States. Yeah, so you can assume every major city and every missile silo. Yeah. So... Uh, L.A. probably doesn't look all that different. Yeah, just a big smoldering pile of horrible, mutated people, and then a nuke hits. No one reads. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing's changed in L.A. (laughs) Uh, So so that happens. We get, uh, as we said, the soldier is on the road, and his truck, like, flips, which is weird, because... That should really only happen if he was in the blast range, but... Uh, it, the thing is, the movie kind of ignores the actual concept of a nuclear blast range. And we don't really know what the full-scale effect, effect of a Russian I, ICBM going off would be. And, and and the reason we don't know is because uh, we've never seen that. The, the ICBMs during the mid-80s were hundreds of times more powerful than the bombs that went off in Hiroshima. Which, again, we do get... Uh, Exposition Lithgow tells us that... Uh, like, Nagasaki was peanuts, everything today is so much more powerful, and yeah. we'd be super boned. But the basic rule of thumb for, a, for an ICBM is, if you're within 100 miles of it, there's nothing you can do. And if you're within 300 miles of it, there was nothing you could do. Because, <laughs> because you'll just die eventually. Their, their, their kill range is ridiculous. And so, none of these people should be alive. But they are, because you need to have a movie, and so... Okay, so we get that. Uh, the farm family that has the, uh... The willful daughter and Jolene and the kid. The kid is outside for some reason because the the farmer tries to get everyone into the basement when they hear that like the war is happening yeah, and, and we nukes are thrown. We don't see why the kid's outside. We get a five second shot of the kid being outside and the dad running to get him, and then the bomb goes off and the kid has his eyes melted. Yeah, he looked at the uh, explosion when it went off, so retinas burned. Yeah, so he has burned retinas, but they managed to drag him downstairs and. Uh, Lock him up in the shelter. So that shelter has the whole family in it, including the kid, the little boy is lying around with bandages yeah. over his now now dead eyes. Uh, the goot is in a car crash when the bomb goes off. Mm-hmm. And he manages to crawl free, and he's stuck in the same town as the farm family. So that's all we know about him at the moment. The uh, the military guy is in a, a an accident and hooks up with a couple with a hobo. And not not in a fun way, but just him and a hobo start walking along yeah, it's, together. It's not that fun way when you hook up with a hobo. Yeah, that great kind of hobo hookup. You know what oh, I mean? You know when you go to hobohookup.com? Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> Can we invent that website? <laughs> hobos only? Hobosonly.com. <laughs> I want to see the commercial for hobosonly.com. Spare some change? <laughs> spare some change for your love. This guy can spare some change. Hey, brother. Can you spare a dime? Or some love? <laughs> Hobosonly.com because regular people won't understand hobo love. <laughs> you you pick all of your traits with the hobo code. Oh my god, I'm within two blocks of a gypsy family. <laughs> Good eats here. Dangerous dog in yard. Easy access to train. Switchman falls asleep every day at four. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah. Okay. All right. Sure. So, so yeah. Uh, we get then Lithgow is in the actual university when all this shit goes down. So they just kind of lock it down and don't care. Uh, and they, like we had mentioned before, they get like a radio. They get a lot of exposition on like, what happened? Why isn't things working? Well, an EMP went off. What's an EMP? Well, that well that's an electromagnetic pulse. Yeah. That will fry any electromagnetic pulse. Which is the only reason that Lithgow's in the movie. To explain what electromagnetic pulses are and tell us that nuclear bombs are bigger than they used to be. Oh yeah, everything he says is just, well golly, what does this mean? Well, let's tell you children, I'm the fucking Mr. Wizard of Nuclear Scenarios. And he he never has a resolution or a conflict or anything. It, 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 he's not in the last half hour of the movie. Yeah, they 100%, after he finds a radio, talks to... Uh, the guys at the other hospital, and like, there's goes, a point where he listens. Hey, do we have, uh, what's the radiation like? Oh, it's fucking terrible. And then later, oh, it's pretty good. And then his final scene is that he's the one who has the radio that plays an announcement from the still alive president of the United States. Like, hey, everybody, I'm the president. Yeah, uh, I'm the president, okay. and we're still surviving, folks. That's, that's basically what that line is. Okay, great. So, let's get through some of this bullshit. Gutenberg manages to hook up with the farm family. Yeah, he. Uh, ends up showing up there, they get that wonderful, tense, like, Night of the Living Dead, we're in the basement moment where he's knocking on the door, and they let him in anyway, and he's like, hey, thanks for letting me in, I don't know what's going on. He's like, I can help you guys, I'm a pre-med student. Let me, let me see your kid that's got his retinas burned, cause, sure, I'll do something for that. I have my own food, I don't need to bug you guys, so he's... So he basically does, does his best to come in. Oh, and they're like, we can't let you in because if we let you in, we have to let everyone in town in. And he's like, oh, dude, everyone in town is dead. You do not even understand. There is no reason that I am alive, but I am because yeah. of plot. I am alive and fine. Also, uh, there's a scene right before that where we establish that they won't let their own dog into the shelter. and the dog's... Oh, yeah, they hear the dog barking out and they're like, well, can't get her. Can't let that dog in here. That dog's just going to die along with all the horses. Although horses become the main mode of transport shortly thereafter. Yeah. Even though it's not like their gas is gone. And, and EMPs don't last forever. So they could fix the cars and get cars working and drive around. But no, everyone's horse-drawn buggies now. Yay! Okay, so he he hooks up with the farm family. Uh, Robards goes back to the hospital because he's pretty sure Kansas City has been wiped out. The hospital is mobbed with people who are just looking for shelter. And a lot of them have radiation sickness. Well, there's... uh like. The big scene with them is essentially trying to get the most injured in to be looked at. Yeah, they want to And everyone it. else who's like, uh, if you aren't currently dying, then fuck off. Or stay here because you can't go outside, and you, but you have to go down into the basement and don't ask for medical care. We're only handling people who have real problems. There is a uh, pregnant woman who's there who was a, a major character in the movie near the end. She's pregnant, and her baby is two weeks late, and there's a whole bunch of talks with her where she's like, I think the baby won't come out because the world's in too oh, much no. turmoil. Oh, the baby doesn't want to come out. And like, oh, I don't think it's the baby. I think you need to let the baby come out because it's you. And you're controlling the pregnancy with the... Well, you need to have that baby born at the end of the movie to give you that life goes on bit, you know? Yeah. So you need that. And then sure enough, that's what you get. The baby comes out at the very end and they're like, they're like, oh gosh, the sounds of a crying baby. The Life will go on. Let's name the baby... Hope. <laughs> Except we don't even get that. No. It's just, oh, we see that she is in labor and probably delivers the baby, but we cut away. Yeah, our joke was that the baby's probably just a big ball, ball of thumbs and teeth. Yeah, it's just a big old hair ball with eyes. <laughs> it's just like, tell me! <laughs> 
I should not be. I'm the dominant species now. <laughs> no, but you don't get any of that. They don't name the baby Hope. That's just what <laughs> they sh- don't name the baby Hulk either. <laughs> that would be awesome. We should name this baby Hulk, <laughs> or he will rampage his anger upon the surviving Russians. Or he is a big green tumor. <laughs> All right, so the hospital is basically just a bunch of triage drama and uh, no power drama. So they they have to boil water to sterilize the instruments, and they have to use uh, tons and tons of flashlights to light up their surgery stations. And the big thing with that is Robards here, our old doctor, is just sort of working himself to death also while this is happening. Also, because he was in, in full range of several nuclear blasts, he has a lot of radiation sickness. Well, eventually, we find that out. Yeah. He, he's just working on people, he's doing surgery, he's doing whatever, and everyone's like... Hey man, you want to take it easy? And he's like, "No, fuck off! I haven't slept in three days, and I don't care." Yeah, he also does a bit about. Uh, there's a whole thing that with them about bodies piling up, and so they finally go to mass graves because they filled all the local cemeteries, and they're like, "Well, we can't just you know put them wherever." They're like, "Okay, well, dig a dig a big pit for them." Yeah, and they, even during the mass grave section, there's overspoken vocals. There's dubbed in vocals where where someone complains to someone else that they are running out of body bags. Oh yeah, and they're like, There's, "We'll just we get hefty any, bags." Do we have any trash bags? Yeah, just just put them in bags. So so that's they're they're just trying to horrify you with with that part. That's that's fine. It's it's pretty horrific. And uh, so we get uh, as we had mentioned before, we also have the uh, the soldier who he picks up his hobo uh, when yeah like hobosonly.com at hobosonly.com, which is still running yeah. because they are determined to bring you the best it in is hobo the, dating. Hobosonly.com is the only website that has existed since 1983. <laughs> <laughs> still going strong. Still going strong. Way before the existence of the internet. Originally, .com was just the name of the newspaper it was printed in. It was hobosonly.com, a publication of news. So, uh, he meets him when he finds, like, there's one of those water pumps that you can see at, like, farms and Oh, yeah, there's, like, people fighting at it. Oh, yeah, so there's, like, a big line to get some water, and a fight breaks out, and everyone just pushes this... Dumb... He's, I don't know if he was originally homeless or if he went crazy because of the bombs, but he's like... He's nonverbal. Yeah, he doesn't say anything. He acts kind of weird. He keeps trying to go up to the water fountain without getting in the line. That's yeah. what it is. And, and they, so people are like punching him and throwing and him down. And then eventually, finally, a, a random cowboy looking guy pulls a gun on him. And then the soldier's like, I'll take him, I'll take him. Me and him will go. And that's that's the end of that. They, they, then we follow those two to a military base where they won't let him in. They won't let the military guy in. Yeah. Uh, the... So they they kind of established that there's still some order like government didn't break down. We get uh at the uh the tail end of the film there's yeah, a at the, at the hospital. Yeah. There there is eventually a bunch of soldiers sort of saying who can go into the hospital, who's got what symptoms and things like that. Yeah. Uh so we get the idea that oh okay, yeah, he's got Fucking radiation poisoning. There's some hints of mob justice too. We hear we there's there's tell heard of people just getting shot for looting, and then later you actually see it. Oh yeah, you just see uh, a firing squad have this guy get shot on the road while they're driving past him. Yeah, when they with the, near the end of the movie, they finally give up on the story structure and just show a bunch of vignettes of how society looks when it breaks down. Yeah, all of a sudden it's like, oh man, this is like watching. Uh, East of Eden, or when do I, that's not what I'm thinking. I think of the Grapes of Wrath. East of Eden is a way different movie. <laughs> Although, this movie is exactly like, like East, East of Eden. Yeah, you know what? I'm going to say it's more like Exit to Eden. Yeah, there you go. That's what I want. Which is, they got all of their performers from Exit to Eden from 
HoboesOnly.com. Yeah. <laughs> Am I thinking of the right... Exit to Eden is the one that's a remake of an Anne Rice novel, but it was turned into a Rosie O'Donnell and... And Dan, Dan Aykroyd. Aykroyd. Yeah, sex... Uh, like, BDSM sex comedy. Yeah. Yeah, that's what this was like. Yeah, this... So, this when society... The, the day after is totally a BDSM comedy sex romp. Well, you know what? When society breaks down, the first thing I expect that's going to happen is that Rosie O'Donnell's going to show up in a leather bustier and start spanking Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> the first thing that breaks down after nuclear war is... Our inhibitions about what we should do with kink. No one kink shames anymore in the post-apocalypse. Anyway, it's a lot like the Grapes of Wrath. There's a lot of people... There's a, there's a lot of hobos traveling around in the backs of vehicles. I think we should just keep comparing it to other things. Oh, yeah. You know... <laughs> the day after is very similar to the film... Uh, Dumbo. <laughs> the... The day after is a lot like the sun also rises. In that people are, I don't know, drunk, I guess? <laughs> the day after is very similar to One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Because there's a crazy person in it. And, and he's quiet. And he is very quiet. There you go. <laughs> also, there's a, there's a nurse. <laughs> <laughs> the day after is a lot like Footloose because John Lithgow is in it and nobody <laughs> dances. <laughs> The day after is almost exactly like the Police Academy movies. <laughs> because there's Steve Gutenberg in there, also a motorcycle. It's a lot like the Police Academy movies, because Steve Gutenberg is in it, and it's terrible. <laughs> Alright. Okay, moving on. Let's, okay, let's try. The, the Goot and his uh, farm family... Oh, he, we gotta tell the story yeah, here. So he's helping out with the farm family. At some point, the daughter, because uh, the husband-to-be never showed up, they have no idea what happened to him, so she's super freaked out about that, and she ends up having, like, this dream where she hallucinates that Gutenberg is her fiancé, and she tries to, like, kiss him, and that freaks her out, and so she runs out of the bunker. Yeah, she gives up on the bunker and runs away, and she's yelling, oh, it's fine, everything's fine, and she, her, her dream is to get her wedding dress. She wants to go find her wedding dress and get away from her dumb family, and the bunker that they keep complaining smells bad. Oh, it's so terrible here. I don't like it. Nah, I don't understand what's going on. Like, there's a lot of people who just don't get it in this movie. Yeah, I understand that maybe a couple times you need to have that Harry Potter syndrome where someone is just completely unaware of what everyone else knows so you can explain it to the viewer. Yeah. However, for like, hey, you shouldn't go outside because Fallout. Like, I don't, I don't care who you are. You're like 18 years old. You fucking know what Fallout is. She's a college is. freshman. Yeah. She's a college freshman and they tell her, look, if you go outside, radiation poisoning will kill you. And, and she's, she's like, like oh, that's bullshit. I'm angry because of a wedding. I'm leaving. And it's like, that doesn't, that doesn't make, I, I guess maybe it's a psychological breakdown thing. So she runs outside and then Gutenberg decides to go get her. Yeah. So like the family's like, oh, we gotta go get her. And he's like, look, I'll do it. You let me into your dumb bunker. We don't need to put everyone at risk. I'll go get her. And then he goes out and finds her, and, and she's like, look, it's fine. Everything's fine. You can stand out here and breathe. And he's like, you're standing in the corpse of a horse. <laughs> yeah, it's just like they pull back, and there are just dead animals everywhere. And you're like, oh, you're obviously crazy. Yeah, you're not even seeing this, are you? And then she flees into the house and gets her wedding dress on, and that's the end of that. He drags her back into the bunker, and then she gets horrible radiation poisoning. But she starts complaining that she should have had the baby before. Like, she shouldn't have worn that it. That it from the drawer. I shouldn't have used it. If I was pregnant now, everything would be different. Yes, you would be also killing a baby. Yeah, that was <laughs> the weirdest complaints from her. The timeline on this also, I, I, I'm I, not really sure. I think they're in the bunker for about a month before she decides to run Yeah, outside. because we, I mean, we get that the doctor sort of gets his breakdown when they say, like, oh, it's been four days since you've slept. 
So you kind of get, maybe it's been like five, six days since the bomb, something like that. Uh, the Lithgow gets his radio together and radios them fairly soon. Yeah. So that's why I assume that was about a week. But the radiation sickness for the soldier who has been wandering around in radiation forever is, like, about as far along as the daughter's is who was outside for, like... A minute. Yeah. Yeah, a minute. Uh, and I don't... Like, did what was the, the re- Did we see the resolution on the soldier? Not... Really? Like, the soldier shows up, we know he's got radiation sickness, and we kind of see him again at one of the shots where he's just, like, fucked up. But we don't see him die. Okay. Uh, we don't get any resolution for, like, he never finds his family, he never does anything like that. Well, he gives up on trying. He is, they were going to New Orleans, he assumes they're gone. Kansas City is gone, all the major cities are gone, so... Yeah, but they were going there, and... You know, it takes a bit of time. If they took more than a day to get there, then that means they're probably in the middle of fucking nowhere in the Midwest, which means they could be fine. They could I mean, be not fine. Although he has no way to get to them or anything. No, there's no way to contact he, them. He gets turned away from a military base because he's too sick. They they just won't even bother letting him in. And then you see him wandering towards the hospital. Uh, Robard starts getting really, really bad radiation poisoning and decides crazily that he needs to go see his house. In- yeah, he's like, I'm going to die. I'm going to go die in my house. And so he goes and finds the wreckage of his house in Kansas City, and there's a family there. And and he just gets all super angry. He's like, this is, this is my house! Get out of my but, house! But at this point, the movie's trying so hard for the pathos horror that that he's completely bald. He looks like a supervillain. Uh, he's he's staggering and 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 grimy and, and awful. And a military truck had driven him there and dropped him off. But he gets he's like he sees him and he's like, my house! You're Get out of my house! And he tries to, like push them out, and it's just like a family of people that... Oh, that's three dirty people sitting there, and it's not a house, it's wreckage. There's, oh, yeah, there's, it's, they're not sitting under anything. You can... The only thing that is there is the uh, fireplace. There's right. a fireplace behind them, and the rest of it is just like, fucking, there was time enough at last, it's not fair. Yeah, there's... there's and they have a little like blanket spread out in front of them with some of their belongings on it, and they offer him an apple... Which he refuses, and then he just goes to his knees, and I guess that's the and end they of. and the the like dad of the grimy family squatting in rubble hugs him. Yeah, and then that's the end of that. I think he's I, he that's that's a wrap on Robards. Yeah. Meanwhile, they uh, the, the daughter goat. the daughter of the of the farm family has gotten too radiation sickness to stay in the bunker, so they load her onto a horse drawn cart, and the goot takes her to the hospital in Lawrence, Kansas, and takes ex- the blind boy too. Yeah. So he's like, okay, I'll take her, I'll take the kid. We'll see if there's anything they can do, even though I'm pre-med and I really should probably know that there is nothing we can do for either of us. Right, but I'll take them and then we'll come back for you guys later. So they leave and then uh, promptly the dad farmer from the from the farm family is murdered by, like, like well, hobo cannibals. So before this happens, we get the government is like, hey everyone, we're the government. And we get the speech by the president, who's like, uh, our country will go on, and we will need to rise strong from the ashes like a Harvey Dar Phoenix and the stuff, and it's very monotone for what should be the, this the is our Independence yeah, Day. it should have been a bit more stirring. Well, then again, this is our Independence Day, is him going, we have a real plan. We're gonna fuck up aliens. Where this guy's plan was, uh, we're gonna take care of ourselves, cause there's no way we have the infrastructure to help you. Oh, yeah, well, and it's also like, we need to be strong, because the rest of the world is looking to America for strength. I'm like, 
No, nope. the rest of the world is looking at an irradiated rubble pile and going, Jesus, you guys were idiots. There's, there's probably very little of the world left if an actual nuclear scenario occurs. Because a lot of other countries are going to use it as an excuse for their own nukes. You're going to get India nuking Pakistan. You're going to get China nuking Russia. Everyone's gone. It's pretty much Australia and a couple of the islands that get to stick around. But then Australia gets killed by nuclear winter. Yeah, Australia gets killed by nuclear kangaroos. (laughs) Yeah, so, you know, you know the nukes are going off, and then uh, the British are like, about that time then, eh? And then uh, the French are like, fire the missiles! (laughs) But I am retired. Well, then have a nap. Send fire the missiles! And meanwhile, the, Brit- the British are literally like, well, let's just nuke-, nuke Australia because we can't take over our prison once we've been glass parking lotted. Huh? So we'll just get rid of it now. So, uh, yeah. So what happens after that is the government actually shows up in the town where Farm Family is. Oh, yeah, and tries to take over farming. Well, it, they're like, okay, here's the deal. Uh, you guys need to farm. You're going to be farming for humans. Don't farm for, like, feed or anything for animals. We want to be able to take care of people first. So your options are, we're going to try and see either, like, plow under whatever your topsoil is and see if we can get it, like, mixed together to be safe, or just get rid of the first six inches of topsoil. Oh, yeah, this whole scene is basically just exposition. This is, like, supposed to be a big scare tactic scene where they're like, this is what will happen to the American farmer. And so there's, like, the scene where the guy... That some, some How are we supposed to farm without our topsoil? Yeah, there's some, some accountant-looking guys like, look, fellas, I need you to get rid of the top five inches of topsoil and burn all your last year's crops. And then they're all, like, high and mighty on them. They're like, look here, you. We can't get... Where are we supposed to put all that topsoil, you big city idiot? And he's like, look, no one is an expert in what's happening right now. Yeah, he's like, like, no one knows what the fuck you can or can't do. We're playing it by ear. We got nuked. Quit being a dick. Do you know how many little towns I have to go to and give this same speech to? Also, the fact that you're alive and can attempt to farm? Jesus Christ. Get your shit together. Don't be like, oh, I can't farm exactly the way I used to. Boo-hoo. Farming is hard. And it's like, yeah, you're a farmer and a nuclear war happened. Quit complaining about topsoil and figure this shit out. Also, farmer after a nuclear war happened, you're the only hope that people have to fucking survive. Well, to me, the big thing is that the the uh, the guy who was giving the speech was so flustered. And I was like, seriously, you're in the middle of Kansas. How many other little shit towns have you been to at this point? Have you been like, hey, man. Uh, you got to get rid of the top five inches of topsoil. You got to start farming. And they were like, "Well, something, something, big city." And he'd be like, "No, shut the fuck up. I don't care where you put the dirt. Damn rivers with it or something. It doesn't fucking matter. I have another town to get to. <laughs> you can take the five inches of topsoil, shove it right up your ass for all I care. Yeah, just farm something. Put it in trash bags. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> Which would have been an amazing scene, but no. It's what I was yelling during that scene. I was, <laughs> the whole the whole scene. I was just like, oh. Because it was trying to make this this poor guy going around towns giving out this information look like an idiot. Well, it's for me, I was mostly looking at it like, well, this is a big scare picture, which means it's for the Midwest. Yeah. Like, this is supposed to scare all of your farm community people well, and be also, like, any ch- oh, no. Any chicken hawk voters is supposed to be oh, yeah. scared by this. This was, is, we'll nuke the fuck out of the Rooskies. Like, yeah, so. Well, nope. And. In order to scare those people, you're like, oh, not only will, like, nukes go off and shit will be irradiated, but you won't be able to farm and the government will tell you what to farm. Right, which means they shouldn't have put this scene in where they're, like, telling an up and, up and mighty far, or, uh, accountant how to deal with farms. They should have left this scene be, you know, him going, look, guys, it's going to suck from now on. And them going, oh, no. 
If only the nukes had been inverted instead of, we'll tell you something. <laughs> so, that was uh, just weird. So, yeah, so the, the dad is at the meeting of farmers where they tell everyone, hey, maybe fucking try and save humanity. Yeah. Uh, but then he comes back to his house and there's just people camped out on his lawn. And when he goes over and tells them to go away, they shoot him. Yeah, he's like, hey, hey, this is, this is my property, you need to go. And a guy just stands up and shoots him. And that's the end of that. That's the last time you see the farm family, including the younger daughter and the mom, who are still yeah. there. We don't know what happens to Jolene. We don't know what happens to the mom. Yeah. Great. However, we do know what happens to the older sister, the boy, and the goot. Uh, let's see, the boy becomes a cynical blind kid who becomes a font of wisdom late in the movie. The- he gets a fucking, like, ten-minute conversation with one of the doctors there. An Italian there. nurse. Well, no, who's like, hey... Can you guess what race I am? What's your name? This. Oh, that. What does that sound like to you? I don't know. Maybe Italian? Hey, you're right. And then it comes back later like, you're not actually Italian, are you? No, I'm not. Fucking, who cares? Who gives a shit what the, race the, this the guy is? The only thing that matters is that the kid's permanently blinded, and that's the end of that. Oh, yeah. They, they're like, uh, can we do anything? Yeah. Of course not. You burned your goddamn retinas out. Yeah, and then the uh, he asks about the sister, and, the, and they're like, we'll see if you can see her. And then we go and see her, and she's just a bald, ra- irradiated mess. And then Gutenberg shows up, and he's a bald, irradiated mess. And they're in a big building full of other bald, irradiated messes. Yeah, it pulls back, and it's basically like a gym that they're in. And every square inch is full of that... You know the scene of, like, the war scenes where it's just all moaning, dying people? It's that, except everyone's got radiation sickness. That's the end of that. And I think that's the... Oh, other than the uh, the, the speech from the president, and then the... Um, there's there's a, a post... Or pre-credit scrawl. Yeah. Where it's like, this is the exact sort of... This is actually a minor version of the shit yeah. that would happen. This is the best case scenario if nuclear war happened. Like, in an actual nuclear war, probably everyone's just dead. Yeah. Don't let this happen. Encourage peace wherever you can. And then we get the credits, and that was about an hour of cinema. Two yeah. hours. About yeah. two hours of that goddamn cinema. Two hours of movie to tell me dick. I, I guess maybe this movie was really important to people in 1983. Like, But it, it's 1983. Again, in like 50s, 60s, maybe I'll give it to you in the 70s because the 70s was garbage and you had to fill space with something. Yeah. Uh... Sure, make this movie. By the time you get to 83, who is this for? Who doesn't already know? Hey, did you know what's bad? Being nuked. Well, oh, really? Well, no, who no. fucking knew? No, lots of people didn't know that. Remember what the political climate was like in 1984? That what was that, the third year of, of Reagan's first term? <laughs> and he was about to get reelected? I mean, people were loving Reagan, and Reagan was like, I don't like the commies. And that, that, I mean, notice, notably, when you hear the president talk in this movie, it is not Reagan. No, it it's, is very much not a Reagan voice. Yeah. So, this is a time period where war was, where there were a lot of hawks who were like, yeah, we should get the fuck rid of Russia. And th- this was deep, deep in the Cold War. Deep. So, I mean, I could see where it was a cautionary tale for people who were trying, you know, hated Russia, wanted to get rid of the nukes and cute, all that shit. But, uh, you know, ultimately, it's, Playing on ABC at 8 p.m. on a Thursday. Except even then, they made the cause of the war be Russian aggression. Oh, yeah, Russian aggression into Germany. It wasn't American aggression, it was Russian aggression. And it was... So you're like, oh, Russia is being a huge dick, they're doing whatever, and then nukes happen. And you're like, well, yeah, in this Cold War scenario, if Russia was just like, fuck it, we went insane and we're going to try and take over the world, then, yeah, nukes are probably going to get exchanged. Yeah, that's the end. What can we do about that? Nothing. I, I guess support disarmament. But seeing as how we don't vote in Russia, 
<laughs> yeah, no, it was like for if it was for being like, yeah, we should not be all war happy. You're like, yeah, but then your movie was all about how Russia is war happy. The one thing I liked in this film was that there was one guy who in Lithgow's room who was constantly asking who struck first, and then he kept being told it doesn't fucking matter. Oh, yeah. I thought that was pretty great. There was one guy who was like, well, it had to be the Russians who took the first shot, right? We'd never take the first shot. It was those communist bastards. And then Lithgow's like, dude, who gives a shit? It doesn't, you, you're Everyone's never gonna, irradiated. No one cares You anymore. will never know who struck first. And then, of course, we get that, well, I don't know what weapons World War Three will be oh. fought with, but World War Four will be fought with sticks and stones. I don't know what weapons World War Three will be fought with, uh, yes, I do. It'll be nukes. But I also know what weapon World War Four will be start fought with. Also nukes. Nukes are easy to build. <laughs> also, uh, World War Four will not be fought with sticks and stones because it's hard to have a world war with sticks and stones. <laughs> like a border skirmish with sticks and stones? Sure thing, <laughs> Einstein. <that> China. <laughs> oh! Well, I built a ship, I built a uh, aircraft carrier out of sticks using a stone for the anchor, and then I flew across the, or used it to go across the country to get to China where I throw stones at them. I have an ICBM and it just hits into Russia and then a stone pops out. <laughs> Clunk. Dunk. Yeah, <laughs> take that, Russia. Breaks a window. <laughs> it's just a big bundle of sticks. Like, I know that's an Einstein quote. I know. It's just, I don't know, maybe during Einstein's period he didn't realize how easily it was gonna, easy it was gonna be for people to build nuclear devices in like their garages and shit. Like, World War Four will be fought with the same goddamn technology, it'll just be made more cheaply. Well, yeah, again, like I said, if there is a World War Four, congratulations, there's still a world to be at war, so right, yes. Yeah. Uh, anyway, there we go, that, that was the day after. That was the day after. That was... Oh, was there any comedy or humor in this movie? There, okay, so there's... There's no comedy. There's no humor. There's no jokes. Yeah. There is no drama mm-hmm. outside of very small scenes, like the the uh, the scene where he runs from the military base. Yeah. And then the the scene where Robards confronts people squatting in his rubble house. Yeah. And the uh, the scene where the where the farmer dad gets shot. Yeah. Those are, but other even than that, then, that's not even drama. It's just hey, get off my lawn. Shot. Cut. Otherwise, it's just sort of misery porn. For most, it's, oh yeah, it's it's a soap opera worth of boring setup for the beginning. Which the 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 main issue I have is this last hour probably could have been like cut that down to forty five minutes. Use another fifteen minutes to half hour to set up the rest of the cast and have maybe an hour and a half long instead of an hour of setup where nothing happens and no one cares what these characters are. We don't care about their names. We don't care about their personalities. We don't care about what they do because no one is established as anything. Now, I get, I get that this was a TV movie. I understand that in TV movies, things suck. It just happens. Sometimes you get a Sharknado. Yeah. It just happens. Well, sometimes you get a Santa Claus, which is a way better use of John Lithgow in a TV movie. It's true. You haven't seen that, but take it from me. Anything with Lithgow, aside from the day after, I feel like should be better. Yeah. Yeah, that's it, it, he's so wasted in this. All right, let's just let's just get to the re, to the uh, judging, shall we? John, what was your favorite part about this movie? Oh Lord, okay. You know what? I'm gonna go ahead and say at least the radiation sickness thing. They like, yeah. Let's let's show like the weird bruising and the baldness and like Gutenberg at the end has kind of like a weird patchy beard growth thing going on. Yeah, that on. was kind of cool. So I was like, okay, you're you're at least showing something in what is supposed to be a movie that's supposed to scare people. Where up to this point, 
you did have when the bombs dropped a few like and then a fire thing goes across get, the screen and this guy's of, dead. You see a lot of people's skeletons briefly. You get that kind of nuclear reaction where it's like a red afterimage of them and a skeleton in the oh, middle of it's it. It's that kind of thing in like sci-fi movies where you got shot with a laser and then you see a skeleton and then they turn into dust. Yeah. That was basically the level of graphics we got in this. Which is not that far off from what would actually happen if you were in the epicenter. Well, yeah. But the big thing with that is the uh at least the radiation sickness towards the end was the only point where you got any horrific things so that it actually should be doing what this movie is supposed to be doing, which is freaking you out about nuclear war. Sure. Before this, it was just like, we're dirty, man, And then nukes dropped, and they were like, we're dirty and smelly. All right. That's yeah. good. So that that's my favorite thing. What, what would you say your favorite part of the movie is? Uh, stock footage of B-52s. <laughs> yeah, you got some plane porn. Good job. I'm an airplane guy, and there was some stock footage of B-52s and a couple of military helicopters. That was sort of neat to see. Uh, the B-52s in particular, whoever was doing that stock footage was way more competent at photography. A lot of this movie is filmed with, like, it looks like it's done with a handy cam, but not used for anything. Like, where, where you know, you, you can tell that they're on a, the camera's on a gimbal because it moves two inches to the left during a shot, but not for any reason. Yeah. It's just, it, it, it's very cheaply filmed. And so, for me, seeing the occasional airplane, I was like, oh, airplanes, yay. <laughs> All right. Okay, yeah. least favorite thing? Least favorite thing in this movie is definitely going to be continually dropping every single thread. We don't care what happens to the MP or the uh, the soldier after he gets radiation sickness and turned away. Or the fiancé. Fuck it, who cares? The fiancé. Fuck it, who cares? Everything in this movie is basically like, were you one of the main characters? No? Then fuck it, who cares? Yeah. The wife and the yeah, Jolene? The, who cares? The other wife and, and, uh, and son, whose name I believe was Skip, although you never see him. Of the uh, the soldier? No one cares. You don't know what happens to them. None of that. It just drops a million balls. You're absolutely right. Yeah. And, and Come on, if you're going to drop a million balls, at least do them at onlyhobos.com. Hobosonly.com, where you can go to drop balls. Okay, so your least favorite thing in the movie? Ooh, Narrow uh, it down. Ooh. Narrow it. Narrow. Uh, okay. Narrower. Uh, uh, no. <laughs> you're hurting me. <laughs> <laughs> like your urethra, get narrower. Oh, man. Okay, I'm going to say my least favorite thing in the movie is the use of John Lithgow. I I should probably say it's the sexism because the women in this movie are like I mean, unilaterally you, yeah, terrible. Yeah, it's just the worst. Yeah, there's there's no strong women characters in this movie. There's just terrible women characters. But no, I'm going to say that this movie has about three minutes of John Lithgow stretched out over two hours. That's a goddamn waste. That's criminal. John Lithgow is great. He is a treasure. He's a national treasure. He should have had Jason Robards part. <laughs> Nick Cage should be trying to find him. He is a national treasure. Ben Gates should find John Lithgow. No, Nicholas Cage should try to find John Lithgow. <laughs> All right, fine. I'm sorry I know the name of the character in the movie. It's Nicholas Cage in a Nicholas Cage production of National Treasures starring Nicholas Cage. Brought to you by uh, uh, Budweiser. Yeah, sure, why not? Okay, great. There you go. Uh, what would you give this movie on your big scale of 1 to 5? Okay, I'm going to give this a 1.5. Oh my god, this is your first time going above a 1. It is, because technically it qualified as an actual movie. Like, everything else I've given a 1 to, because it was just nonsensical and I couldn't tell what was going on. This was just shitty, but at least it had an actual line that went throughout the movie, even if the acting wasn't the best, like... It wasn't the worst I've seen, so by no means is it good, but I'll give it a 1.5. Okay, so a 1.5. I'm going to give this a 1. Uh, this is going to be my rare 1. I usually try to be charitable. 
I'm angry at this movie for a couple of reasons. Uh, it's super boring. Yep. And there's nothing crazy about it. And that's what I want. I want crazy shit to make fun well, of. Well, yeah, when you see something like The Day After, and it's, oh, nukes are dropping, you're like, oh, give me something like a boy and his dog. Yeah, give me a mutant, give me some cannibals. But there's nothing. There's just nothing. It's just scare tactics for two hours. And it's not even a, like, uh, one of the disaster movies. Like, you don't get the action or drama that you would get in a disaster movie. You always film. get that, that hero who rises above in a disaster movie. You know, you always get that moment where, like, uh, J- Jason, what's his fucking name? Uh, let's just say The Rock, because from that San Andreas movie where he's like, yeah, yeah I'm turning, taking a helicopter. Oh, it was Tommy Lee Jones, is who I was trying to remember, from fucking Volcano. Ah. Remember that? When he just, like, rises yeah, above? Yeah, you remember Pierce Brosnan? Oh, in Dante's Peak? Yeah, you remember Ugh. that? I kind of remember that. <laughs> See, but the problem is, you also get in, like, disaster films, when someone dies, there's, like, some emotion there. When people died in the day after, it was nothing. Or drama. Like, it was know, off screen, or it was just, oh, I slowly died. At the beginning of Volcano, when the two women are down in the, in the sewers and one of them falls in and dies in the volcano from like superheat or something, and you're like, oh no, that's a horrible way to die. I love this disaster movie because people, and then one guy melts in lava. Yeah. You're like, this is great. But this movie just has a couple people that get sick from radiation and sickness. And like a guy gets shot. Yeah. 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 It's it, a couple people die during the actual bomb blast, but it's very fast. Yeah. The trailer makes it seem like a lot of action is going on, but that's all just the stock footage of soldiers. Yeah. That's there's a lot of that. Oh my god, this movie's so boring. So okay. There you go. So there you go. Two point five out of ten. <laughs> two and a half out of ten. Note that the 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 minimum score on our rating system is a two. Yeah. So we probably need to revise how that well, works. Well, I mean, I I could probably go as low as a zero, which I've done once in my entire career uh, reviewing things, which was for Frankenqueen, which did not qualify as a movie, so I gave it a zero. Yeah, I was going to say, if we were to redo Frankenqueen today, it would probably get a 0.5, because I would give it a point five. <laughs> I would give it a point five for being daring, as if they, they completed that footage and they were like, yeah, let's put this out. This yeah, is, sure. Yeah, I'm going to give that to them for balls, which uh, the movie lacks. Exactly. Put some balls in your gay porn movie. You know what's great is balls. <laughs> anyway. Uh, okay. So, that has been uh, The Day After on Movie Mastery. If you've got any suggestions for what you want to see us watch, uh, go ahead and get us that uh, at systemmastery at gmail. We've got System Mastery on Facebook. You can leave us a comment on our wall there. Uh, you can tweet at us, at System Mastery. And uh, you can also go to systemmasterypodcast.com, leave a comment under this or any of our other reviews, and let us know if there's something that you would like us to review. It'll go on our list. Maybe we'll randomly roll it. This got uh, suggested to us really recently, and yeah, we just was, happened to roll it up. We just happened to get it on the roll, so we don't wait this in any way. I, although, I, I think we are going to start waiting them if you actually send us the DVD. Because I have a couple DVDs that have been mailed to us, and I'm thinking I'm going to put those in as two entries on the die table, just because just because they went the extra mile and they sent us something physical. Yeah, if you if you send us something, then we'll try to weight it in your favor. Yeah, we'll give you a little extra push. So I think we have Dungeons and Dragons: Wrath of the Dragon God Weird. and something called Goth. Yeah, which looks like it was just. Someone had a camera phone and walked around a goth club. Yeah, in in what appears to be a bad part of Arizona. Sweet. Yeah. Which, Cannot wait. Yeah, so that's those get a little bit of a heavier weight to them. Anyway, so um, yeah. if we don't put your movie on the list, don't freak out. It's because we've both seen it. Our rule is we have to be surprised by the trailer, so if we've both seen a movie, it won't go on the list. Yeah, because then it won't have that genuine level of absolute hatred and vitriol, or... 
surprised joy that comes from watching a movie that we did not see previously. Yeah, I was I was so thrilled recently when I when I realized that John had also seen Six String Samurai because I do not want to watch it again. <laughs> Which he hates Six String Samurai. I do not have a problem with it. There is our short review of Six String Samurai. Yeah, I'm gonna give it a uh, most annoying kid in the world out of ten. Award. And I'm gonna give it a Red Elvises out of ten. It does have the Red Elvises. Yeah. All okay. right. So that's it. Yep. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, go ahead and you can rate and review us on iTunes and Stitcher. And support uh, the Patreon. Yeah, we've got our Patreon where if you like what we do, you can support us on there. It helps make sure that we don't starve to death like people in a post-apocalypse. So until next time, thank you so much for listening and have a good week. <laughs>